You're listening to The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. We are a community of recovering people who have overcome the odds and found the courage to change. Each week, we share stories of recovery from substance abuse, eating disorders, grief and loss, childhood trauma, and other life-changing experiences. Come join us no matter where you are on your recovery journey. Erica, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I want to get into a little bit about what you do for a living and what a second chance employer is. Absolutely. So I am the director of HR. So I deal with all things people related, whether it be hiring, terminations, assistance, benefits, et cetera. And I've been doing it for almost 20 years something I absolutely love to do. I love dealing with people. But currently, I am the director of HR with Staff Zone, which is a second chance company. And a second chance company, we're giving people the opportunity to get back in the workforce and get back on their feet, whether or not they have a blemish on their background, whether or not they've had a substance abuse issue, a judicial issue, we're giving them that chance where other companies may not. So we'll have a worker who is just coming out of the judicial system, just coming out of rehabilitation center, and they're coming to us to get back on their feet to put food on the table, to get a roof over their head for the night or for several nights to support themselves and their family. And do you find that you work with a lot of people who struggle with substance use disorder? I do. More so than I have in the past. My prior company, I dealt with this, but not as much as I do now. I have 37 branches because we just opened Monday in Plano. 37 branches nationwide. And this provides me with over 40,000 temporary employees, plus my 215 permanent employees that I'm dealing with to reach out if they have issues. With my 200 and some employees, a lot of them, this is their second chance as well. So it's not just for our temporary employees. I've had several of my permanent staff reach out because they're around so many people that may still be involved in substance abuse. They are more apt to go back in to that lifestyle. So they reach out and discuss options and where do I go from here? Things like that. What are some of the ways that you see people start to look for help? Like if in the early, early stages? It's going to, it varies by person from what I've noticed. I do have some that from the get-go will reach out and be like, hey, I don't know what to do. Here's what, what I'm struggling with. Can you help me? We offer... EAP, Lion Rock, you know, just our phone numbers, like everybody's phone numbers published. If you need anything, you call us from day one. And we talk about the benefits we offer from day one. So we give them that guidance, their first day of employment versus, you know, they're having to wait to open enrollment or them having to wait till something happens to know that there are resources available. It's such a sticky point for people because we have these resources. What most people don't know is how many A protections and B resources are out there for people who struggle. Absolutely. And yet people are afraid because they don't want to lose their job. They don't want the stigma that comes along with admitting you have a problem. Maybe they're not even sure they have a problem. They don't want to mix that with work. How do we address this issue that we're seeing where people have resources that they're unwilling to use because of fear of what will happen if they use them? So from my experience, I tried to not only tell them what resources are available, but also how they can utilize them without being penalized. 
you know, you have options if you need to take a leave of absence. You have options if you need to take a day here, a day here. So I'm, you know, not only am I explaining FMLA, but I'm explaining intermittent FMLA. You might not need all the time at once. So let's take a day at a time, a week at a time, whatever the case may be. And I'm doing that upfront with the programs that we offer so that they're where the full uh, package and not just, oh, well, you have resources available, but that still doesn't mean I'm going to have my job. We want to see people succeed. So if you are speaking for the HR community, what do you think is standing in the way of people getting the help they need? I have seen throughout my career in HR that they don't trust their HR professionals because somebody in the past has not followed HIPAA or has not followed confidentiality and has disclosed information that should have been disclosed. So trust is huge. But lack of education, not only for the employees telling them what we have to offer, but for the managers to know how to handle a situation when an employee brings it to them. Mm, Okay. So training for the managers is really important on how to handle it. What are the protections in place for employees who are struggling? Well, I mean, an addiction will fall under ADA. So it's a disability. And a lot of employees don't see it that way. So as long as we follow like legal guidelines and they're aware, hey, you know, this is how it falls under ADA. This is how you're protected. Your job is protected if you're getting the assistance needed with the proper documentation. Somebody can't come to an HR professional, a supervisor and say, hey, I'm going to go do this and not provide any documentation or any paperwork or any request because they could just be taking a, a vacation. So to be clear, so ADA is American with Disabilities Act and alcoholism and addiction fall under the American with Disabilities Act, meaning that addiction is protected as a disability. And so you're saying that if someone has documentation showing they have that diagnosis, is that what you mean? We can't terminate somebody just for having an addiction. The way they're protected is if they are seeking treatment for their addiction. So somebody comes to us and says, hey, I'm an alcoholic. I have alcoholism. I've been diagnosed by my doctor and I'm going to admit myself to this inpatient facility for six weeks or whatever the case may be. We let them know, okay, well, your job is protected, X, Y, Z, and explain the resources. I always look up the resources when I'm talking to somebody. So I will pull up ADA, alcoholism, or whatever type of addiction I need when I'm talking to an employee so that I don't misspeak because everybody's situation is different. And we also have to look at how long have they been with the company? Have they been with the company six months, four years? Because there also are under FMLA guidelines, we still have to work a minimum of 12 months and a minimum of 1,250 hours to qualify for that portion of it. Tell us a little bit more about that FMLA. And you're saying they have to work at least 12 months, 1,200 hours in order to qualify for this protection? For FMLA protection, yes. So ADA protection is a little different, but ADA covers so many more things than FMLA does. But they generally go hand in hand. For instance, pregnancy is considered a disability. So when you go out and have a child, you can use your ADA compliant because you have a disability with the pregnancy, but you also could potentially qualify for the Family Medical Leave Act, which is up to 12-week protected leave in a 12-month period. So with an ADA addiction or any type of medical situation, they can opt to 
apply for an FMLA, which is like I said, Family Medical Leave Act. So an FMLA leave, in order to qualify for that, you have to have been with the company a minimum of 12 months and work a minimum of 1,250 hours. Is there a way of taking leave for addiction without your employer knowing the details. The way to do that would be to take a personal leave. But if you don't want your employer to know the details, your job is not protected. Now, any of these situations, whether it be addiction, whether it be procedures that have to happen, everything falls under HIPAA. So if an employee comes to me and says, hey, this is a situation I have. I'm putting myself into a, a facility or a program, or I have to have a procedure done. I need to take a leave of absence. Unless they say, you can disclose my condition, only thing I can disclose to the company, their manager, their peers, the owner is John Smith has to take a leave of absence for X amount of time. Their expected return date is Y. If they give me permission, then and I can disclose their condition. So yes, there are ways for employees to take a leave without fully disclosing. If they don't disclose anything, then it would be a personal leave. But otherwise, they can utilize HIPAA to disclose to one individual without anybody else knowing. Right, right. If somebody does not give you permission to disclose their diagnosis, their, their illness, et cetera, and you disclose it and the employee finds out about it, then the company and you individually can be held liable. Are you, as the person that it was disclosed to in HR, allowed to share it with other people in HR? No, only if they give permission. So you as the one sole person in HR? Yes. Okay. And then you can submit that documentation and get it cleared, but no one else can know about it or they or you and the company can be held liable. Correct. Correct. And one of the things that I let my employees know is this will not be disclosed unless you give permission. The only other time that we have to really dive into it is if they're applying for short-term disability or long-term disability, because then they have to disclose that to the insurance company. But they're physically disclosing that on their own by completing the paperwork. But you have to explain that to them. The insurance company will not give me any information and I can't give the insurance company any information without you consenting. So if you fill this paperwork out and send it in to our short-term disability company and they have questions without your consent, I will not be able to, to give them the information needed. Most of the time, that's when they give us the authorization. Okay, you can talk to them. I want to make sure I get, I get paid while I'm gone. And it really depends on how close they are with their supervisor. They're like, okay, you can tell, you know, my general manager, but nobody else needs to know. And then when you do that, you have to explain HIPAA to the general manager or the owner, whomever you're disclosing this information to. What if the employee wants to use their benefits, EAP, or a program like Lion Rock? Let's say they want to get treatment through an employer-based program. What is their protection there? Employees can absolutely utilize employee-based, employee-offered, employee-based programs. And a lot of times that happens without the employer knowing unless they disclose it to the employer. Because insurance companies also have to follow HIPAA and not disclose it to the company. The only way I would know is if they disclose the treatment they were going through. I, I'll tell you, I get a lot of employees that call me and say, if I'm struggling, what are my options? My response depends on what you're struggling with because we have XYZ. We have the EAP. We have Lion Rock. We have the benefits, your normal medical benefits that may help with 
inpatient treatments, outpatient treatments, et cetera. So I really like dive into that without making them disclose to me what they're going through. I encourage, but just for support. It's not that I want to know, hey, what's going on? I want to help you help whomever it is get through the rough time in their life. What's the difference between EAP programs and programs like Lion Rock? EAP program is just a stepping stone to get the help that you need. Most EAP programs only offer a limited amount of resources. So, hey, I will give you three sessions, whether it be with a counselor or whether it be for mental health issues or substance abuse. And after that, you're on your own or you have to find another counselor or another therapist or another avenue. With Lion Rock, we can set them up and encourage them to, to make that call. And then they can stick with Lion Rock. They're not having to switch to a new person. They're not having to get comfortable with one thing. And then in three sessions, it's gone. So that's the huge, huge difference. Both of them are confidential. I don't know if they utilize it or not, but it gives them the peace of mind that if they do stick with Lion Rock, that it's not just three visits and you're on your own. It's I have a support group that I can reach out to without my supervisor knowing, without my company knowing. I can do this on my own, but it's a resource that they're providing me. I think another piece of this too is giving people language to be able to disclose in a way where they feel protected. So for example... I, knowing, you know, being in this industry, knowing the language, if it were my employer, if I were working at a a corporation, I would go to the one HR person I would pick. I would disclose it with the words. Let's just say I didn't want to like give a whole rigmarole. I'd say, I believe I'm struggling with alcoholism or potentially struggling with alcoholism. And I would say, I do not give any consent for you to tell anybody else. Like I would start with that. Can you give me resources? And I would reiterate and I'd put it in writing for me. This is what I would do. I would put it in writing. I do not give consent for you to share this information with anyone. I think that some of those things would make create this confidence in people that they were taking charge of their situation, utilizing the resources while protecting themselves. Because I've heard HR professionals talk about the trust in their supervisors and their managers and their HR. And I think we, while that is so important and that we should foster that, I do think we have to move away from this conversation around you have to trust these people because I think that that in many cases is lacking and we have to give people language who don't trust anyone ever to be able to utilize the resources. It's great if they trust them, but if not, put it in writing. You don't give any consent at all. You know, protect yourself that way, right? You know, talking about what are the things we can do if we do not trust anyone and we still want to utilize. Absolutely. One of the things, I mean, that's a great point because one of the things I do, whether it be somebody's coming to me with a complaint, somebody's coming to me asking for help. First thing I say is, thank you for coming to me. I'm going to ask you to write this down at the end of the conversation, whether it be via email, via, you know, pen and paper. I'm going to ask you to verbalize it and then put it in writing what you're asking or what you're wanting. So to that point, that's a a great opportunity that companies have is letting the employees know that you have the opportunity to really protect yourself by putting it in writing and letting us know what we can and cannot do, who we can and cannot disclose what to. If I didn't want anyone to know that I was struggling with substances, 
but maybe I'm okay that they assume it's depression or something, right? Would I be able to engage the same protections and benefits if I came to my HR professional and said, I'm struggling with diagnosed mental health disorder that includes depression and I need to get professional help? I do not give consent for you to share this with anybody. Would I have access to the same resources and protections? With FMLA and ADA comes with some of the paperwork that you have to request. As long as the proper paperwork and documentation is completed, your medical professional does not have to disclose your true, your actual diagnosis. Okay. It could be being treated by a medical professional for X amount of weeks. Okay. That shows us that you're being treated by a medical professional. I don't need to know the, the real reason why unless you want to disclose it because they have to follow HIPAA as well. So yes, employees have that option to do that. So let's say I wanted to come to you and tell you I have a disability that I need to be treated for for six weeks. I can say that and give zero explanation other than what I have to write for the FMLA that goes directly to the state. Generally, the employers keep it on file. So like I have an FMLA file that I have for anybody who's requested FMLA with the documentation that's been received from the doctor. But The doctor does not have to put being treated for depression, being treated for addiction, being treated for, you know, a pregnancy condition. They can just put being treated for a medical issue. And as long as we have that from a medical doctor, a true medical doctor, then they they are covered and they are under FMLA or ADA, depending on which route we're, we're going in the situation. So feasibly, you know, I could have a psychiatrist who talked to my primary care physician and I could have my primary care physician write that I'm being treated for something and that I, you know, that I need six weeks. And, you know, this is, of course, a cover for going to, to rehab. And that is sent to FMLA. And the only thing that my work sees is that I have some sort of disability that I'm being treated for. And it's a medical, my primary care doc. So they don't know what kind of doc it is. And it is written in there and that uh, I'm going to be gone for six weeks. Yes. So employees, if they knew this, like let's say they knew what I, you and I just laid out, how many more employees do you think would get help? I would say if 10% are getting help now, it would jump up to probably 30%. Easy if people knew. And it all comes back to education. So educating the managers is huge. Right. Because they need to know how to handle it. But educating the employees on their legal options when it comes to job stability and, you know, protection is huge. You know, we just, we talk about FMLA is in our handbook, but maybe we need to add to it. And not only our company, but a lot of companies to make it more comfortable for the employees to be able to take that step and get the help they need. I think a lot of the HR language is extremely complicated. And it's it's <laughs> funny because, you know, I, I, I work in HR and I work in addiction. And, you know, so I help a lot of people with this type of stuff. And I was looking, my sister just had a baby and I was looking at her FMLA and, and she's in San Francisco. So San Francisco has its own designation. And then there's so many different things and we're looking at it together and I'm trying to help her do this between her postpartum brain and my clear brain, we, you know, it was still a struggle. And I remember that from being pregnant and trying to fill out this information. There's so 
so many questions. There's so much language that I have to deconstruct. And I also think that when you're in a time of crisis or when you're in a time of not being at your full capacity, and then even even then, some of this stuff is really hard to get through. And so where people can break it down into language that's like, if you do this, then you do this, then you do this, then you do this, it'll say this, it'll say that. And, and really get people this information and show them how they can be protected, we might be able to get our utilizations up, which brings me to my next question for you, which is if you are contracted, if an employer is contracted with a treatment program like Lion Rock Recovery or any other Hazelden Betty Ford or whatever it might be, does the employer know who utilized that benefit? No. So I have had employees tell me hey, I reached out to Lion Rock or I reached out to this facility that the company has partnered with. And without them telling me, I have no knowledge of it. Okay. So it protects them where if they know about the resource and they just want to seek help while still working, they have that option without the company knowing that they're seeking treatment, but they're still working and they're still doing their job, but they're getting the help they need on their time. Where should people go for information about their company's benefits? I'm always going to direct them to HR because HR is going to know most about the benefits unless there's a physical benefits department outside of HR. Smaller companies, HR is everything. (laughs) But ultimately, you're going to go to your HR professional. They're going to know the best route to take depending on how large or small your company is. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for sharing all of this with us and that both from a personal perspective and also from a professional perspective, I so appreciate it. It's really, really important stuff and very helpful. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope that some of the things that I said are beneficial. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I know they will be. I know they will be. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life. LionRock.life is a diverse and supportive recovery community offering weekly over 70 online peer support meetings, useful recovery information, and entertaining content. Whether you're newly sober, have many years in recovery, or you're recovering from something other than drugs and alcohol, we have space for you. Visit www.lionrock.life today and enter promo code COURAGE for one month of unlimited peer support meetings free. Find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life.